The number 416-216-5910. That is the number directly to get a hold of Savan anytime. It is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. There is something called the injury calculator, which lets you know what your pain and suffering will be in case of an accident or a slip and fall. We will get to that a little later on, but we start every show and get into every show with a, a segment we call Week That Was. How are you, pal? What do you got for us? I'm great, John. And uh, it, again, it's been a very busy week, but I'm going to talk about a few things, not necessarily, ca- I mean, I'm going to have some cases to, mm-hmm. to go over because those are really important for people to listen to and, and hear about lessons to be drawn if you're in that situation or you know someone in that situation. But let's talk about some other things as well, uh, you know, because we read in the papers stories that come out, whether they're about uh, certain lawyers or the profession as a whole. Well, here's an interesting story that I actually spoke um, uh, on the radio uh, in the past few weeks about. I was giving some interviews, and this has to do with the case that dates back several years. And what happened there was that there was a lady who was in a, uh, in a very serious car accident, and she suffered catastrophic injuries, so really, really bad stuff. And what happened was, as often happens, is the insurance company, her insurance company that was dealing with her, went to certain doctors to get their opinions. And one of the doctors that they went to, they asked that doctor, it's a doctor out of, I believe, Richmond Hill or Thornhill, they asked that doctor to summarize the opinions of other doctors that had provided uh, reports. And, and that doctor uh, that they went to omitted, basically did not include key aspects of, uh, I believe, a neurologist's Why? report. Well, because by doing that, he made the opinion of his executive report, his summary, more favorable to the insurance company, which gave the insurance company a reason to deem this lady, to categorize her as non-catastrophic. And the result of that was that this lady was that not able to access uh, a lot of benefits that she needed, sure. right? I mean, you're dealing with somebody who's very badly injured. And so what happened was this went all the way up uh, to a higher stage uh, in the claims process, and the decision was reversed by an arbitrator. They deemed her to be catastrophic. The lawyer that was representing this injured lady then uh, sent an email to several hundred lawyers, essentially warning against this doctor who basically, ta- not, I'm not going to say tampered with the reports, but uh, uh, failed to include all the relevant information in the report to the insurance company. Just saying, you know, if you come across this particular doctor working for this insurance company or for any insurance company, make sure that you really dig in there because clearly that doctor was being biased in how he prepared his report wow. for the insurer. And what happened was that this doctor became very upset that this lawyer uh, took that on and emailed all the lawyers and uh, try to basically sue this lawyer. And this was thrown out, essentially. And so this became a big story uh, because it brought to light something that I've been talking about for a long time, which is this, which is that when you're dealing with insurance companies, those insurance companies will have a roster of doctors that they go to. And maybe those doctors are excellent physicians, but you have to be very careful because these insurance companies are paying these doctors for their opinions. And so a lot of these doctors naturally will want to provide an opinion that is favorable to the insurance company. Well, that means that it's unfavorable to the disabled individual or the injured individual. And that's when you need a phenomenal lawyer or a law firm on the other side to be able to, uh, you know, even the playing field, basically. And I'll tell you again, I keep saying this, I used to be a defense lawyer. I used to work for insurance companies. And many times I would come across lawyers and law firms on the other side who I knew were simply, uh, you know, they were not strong players in, in the game, so to speak. 
So I would be able to settle out claims for my insurance company clients, mm-hmm. you know, at peanuts, really. And, and I, I knew, you know, the individual might be disabled or injured. Their claim might be worth $150,000, $300,000, and we'd settle it, you know, for $30,000, $50,000. Remember, I was representing the insurance companies. So now when I have a client calling me and people coming to me with this, uh, you know, with, with questions, they've been injured, uh, their family members have been injured, uh, they know someone who's disabled, and they want the real truth. I tell them what the real truth is. But it's very, very important to be able to go to someone who knows what they're doing, someone who can even out the playing field. In this case that I just started with, uh, with this doctor and this lawyer, uh, it, it really does bring it to light how important it is that if you are injured through no fault of your own and you are owed compensation or if you're disabled, you're on long-term disability and you're cut off, if you don't go to the right lawyer, your case, I'm not going to say is doomed from the start, but you are at an immediate disadvantage because the insurance company will recognize if you have somebody strong on the other side, somebody who's knowledgeable, someone who knows how to dig. I guess that's uh, not a surprise what that doctor did. They know what side they're, you know, they're... The bread is buttered on, right? I guess that happens more often than not. It happens a lot, absolutely. And, you know, we call these people hired guns because these doctors are hired guns by the insurance companies. But the fact that the insurance company is doing that is nothing new. It's just that every time something like this happens and makes the papers, we get surprised. The way to fight that, if you're in that situation where you're on the receiving end, is to get somebody who knows what they're doing. Uh, and, and it's crucial because if you don't do that, I'm going to tell you right now, they're going to take advantage of you and they're going to settle out. They're going to pay you out, but they're going to pay you out 10 cents on the dollar. And you're only going to know that after listening to me or reading uh, in the papers about a case like this and thinking to yourself, oh, my God, I should have gone to someone else. Well, it's like you said, it's a business. At the end of the day, they're there to make money and then stay in business, right? 100%. So can't blame exactly. them, Exactly. Really. And ethics doesn't play into it. Insurance no. companies are not about ethics. They're about money. It's about saving money, not paying uh, what they need to be paying. And, you know, if they can pay you $0.07 cents when they had to pay you 10 they're happy. 416-216-5910 is the number and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. you got some time. Go to mydisabilityquestions.com as well. There's a drop-down menu if you have questions. Uh, chances are Savan's already answered. If not, he'll answer it uh, very shortly thereafter. The Insurance and Injury Law Show continues. Talk Radio, AM 640. 416-216-5910. That's the number anytime to get a hold of Savan. Email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to some of those. As the show carries on here today, uh, you got something else before we get into a couple of cases that are on your desk. Yeah, I do. And I spoke about this issue before as well. And, uh, you know, my opinion keeps changing on it, but I'll, uh, you know, let you know what I think. So, so, so here's, here's the context. Long-term disability claims. What do you do when the insurance company writes you a letter uh, or calls you up and says, uh, you know, John, uh, we don't think you're going to be uh, um, uh, qualified to receive the disability payments beyond January 30th of of, of next year. What do you do with that information? You know that there is an impending cutoff that's going to happen. You know, and, and it's, it's like a, a, a slow-moving uh, accident that is about to happen. You just don't know how to avoid it. You're paralyzed with fear. You go on Google. You try and search information. You're getting a whole bunch of different advice uh, and, and, you know, go to different websites. So what some people do is they call me up and they say, Sivan, can you contact the insurance company? We don't want to retain you yet. We just want you to write to the insurance company, the adjuster, perhaps send them, send them an email. Maybe if it comes from a lawyer that deals in the area, you're on the radio, you have a profile, you've been in the media quite extensively, perhaps we can avoid the cutoff. And, you know, the result has been a little mixed for me in terms of what I'm able to get. But, you know, I thought about this this past week. And, yeah, I'll tell anyone out there, if you're in that situation 
and you want me to try and do that at no charge, I will do that. That's pretty nice, man. You know, come I mean, to me because you know, at the end of the day, John, it doesn't like take a long time just to swap over your tires <laughs> for free here. Well, but but, but you know, I, I I keep saying that we're doing this show, uh, you know, partly uh, you know for the fact that I enjoy it, partly for the fact that we're giving out information, and, and you know, and we're helping people. Mm-hmm. And people leave me messages all the time, not even asking for any help, just thanking for the thanking me for the information. So I'll tell you, if, they, if you're in that situation or you know someone who's on long-term disability, you've received that letter or that email or that phone call telling you there is going to be a cutoff. You're not going to get LTD, long-term disability, beyond a certain date, and you feel that it's a wrong decision, you should not be cut off. You want to try and avoid that? Contact me. We'll have a chat for a few minutes. I'm going to get some documentation from you, and I will write to the insurance company. I will not charge you a dime. A dime. And you know, at the end of the day, what do you have to lose? Because if they reverse their position, which, which does happen, if they reverse their position, that's great. That's fantastic. I'm happy for you. If they don't reverse their position... You, you and I can chat about the next steps and then you can decide what you want to do, but it costs you nothing to do it. It, it literally takes a few minutes out of my day and I, I can do this kind of stuff in my sleep. Uh, it, 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 doesn't, it, it doesn't take anything from me and I'm, I'll be happy to do it. I'm looking forward to my Christmas present this year in that case. Uh, what do you have as far as cases? <laughs> All right, concerned? let's talk about a few cases. So this is a question that was posted on one of our sites, mydisabilityquestions.com. So I'll read out the question and then we'll uh, talk about the answer. Uh, This is from Kathy in Burlington. Uh, She writes, I have been on LTD for just over two years and have just been approved for CPP disability pension. Going forward, what can I expect from the insurance company as far as continually being asked for updates, phone calls, etc.? I also understand any retroactive monies I receive from CPP disability goes to the insurance company. Uh, Am I correct in assuming that any monies my children receive from CPP disability is money for my children and the insurance company cannot touch their money? Thank you. Great so, questions. Great questions yeah. and, and a whole bunch of them packed in. So let's unpack this. So first of all, the fact that she applied for CPP disability and the fact that she was approved, that's already great because now that means that there is uh, another entity, which is the government, recognizing that she has a severe and prolonged disability. So if they recognize it, you really are. Like It's a tougher call, it, right? It, it, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and in fact, if the LTD insurer ends up wanting to cut her off at some point, she has a great argument. Uh, it's not the only argument, but it's a great argument saying that uh, she really is disabled. Even CPP, the government, uh, has deemed her to be disabled. Uh, now, she's asking going forward, do I need to provide them with continuous updates, medical updates? Yes, you do. So long as you are on CPP, you're on LTD, you're going to be requested to provide these updates because, yes. frankly, uh, medical situations change. Not always, mm-hmm. depending on the injury, but they do change. And so you're going to be requested uh, and you have an obligation to continue providing this information. And then she asks, I understand that any retroactive money I receive from CPP goes to the insurance company. Yes, that is correct. Most LTD policies contain a provision that says that you have to apply for CPP disability, Mm -hmm. or you should. And by the way, to the extent that you get any money back or get monthly amounts from CPP, uh, we we, we get the retroactive back, right? Or uh, going forward, if you get, uh, let's say we pay you $2,000 LTD and you get $1,000 from CPP, well, you don't get the two and the one, 2000 and 1000 you get 1000 from us and 1000 yeah. from uh, CPP. So uh, essentially, it works to make you whole. So yes, if you get retroactive amounts from CPP, you do pay that to the LTD insurer. And the last question was, what about CPP disability money that the children receive? Because right. once you qualify and you have children, you can also qualify, or your children can qualify mm-hmm. for an amount. 
Some insurance companies, believe it or not, John, uh, have tried to grab that money. And no, they are not allowed to. They're not supposed to. Uh, in fact, there's case law on point where judges have chastised insurance companies. That money is for the children. Uh, and, and so insurance companies should not be getting their hands on it. So great, great questions. So that money has goes to the kids, one kid, two kids, five kids, it doesn't matter. That's Can't right. Get it goes yes, it goes to the children. And and again, you know, for people out there, you have these kinds of questions about long term disability, either call me, email me, or go to mydisabilityquestions.com. I answer these questions myself. You'll get the answer within minutes of posting your your uh, question. There's email as well. That is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca, the number 416-216-5910. We'll get to a couple cases, and we'll get into the injury calculator after a short break in the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM 640. 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Uh, before we get to a case that you had on your desk this week, uh, Saman, tell us a little bit about the injury calculator at injurycalculator.ca. Fantastic little tool. It's anonymous. It's free. If you've been injured through someone else's negligence, so let's say a car accident, someone hit you, or you slipped and fell on ice, someone did something wrong that caused you an injury and you want to know, well, what's the starting point? If I see compensation, what can I get or what am I owed for my pain and suffering? You go to that tool uh, and you input a few key pieces of information, not your name, not your number, just what is your injury, where were you injured, uh, how old are you, the severity of your injury. And what the calculator does is it scans through uh, a database of cases from across Canada where there have been other people uh, who have uh, brought forward claims with injuries like yours. And it tells you here's the range you can expect to get for compensation for your pain and suffering, if you uh, suffered a broken ankle, or if you had, if you have uh, a back injury, uh, or if you have, you know, God forbid, a head injury, all these kinds of things, the calculator takes those into account. The information you give it scans the databases. So these these are not numbers that I came up with. This is from a database of cases from across the country. And again, very important to understand: this only deals with pain and suffering. Right? You can have a claim where you have an ankle injury and you may get fifty thousand dollars for pain and suffering or be owed that much, right. but now you can't work. And so your income losses are in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. The, the calculator can't deal with that, obviously, because every case is nuanced. Every case is not the same. Uh, but from a pain and suffering standpoint, an ankle injury is an ankle injury, right? But I mean, yep. sometimes you have an injury where you need surgery, sometimes you don't need surgery. So it will ask you these questions. But you know, people just want to know, well, what's my starting point? What can I get? What am I owed for pain and suffering if, in fact, I choose to start a claim costs you nothing to use a calculator. It takes you literally 15 to 20 seconds. And if you feel at the end after using it that you want to contact me, there is a button at the end, a green little button that says submit this information. And then I get that directly. It comes to me and then we can have a communication, talk about your case, and I can tell you what your options are. So let's talk about uh, slip and fall injuries. Tell us uh, something that a person handling their own slip and fall case may not know. How, how long is that list? Well, it's, right. it's a very long list. But, you know, the, 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 this is an important question because some people naturally uh, distrust lawyers. In fact, that's probably the majority of the population. And so when you're looking for <laughs> surprise, eh, John? Yeah, right. huh? Not uh, you. You're a nice guy. Uh, exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm a very nice guy. Uh, check with my wife about that. But anyways, uh, no, no. It's, it's very, very important to understand that if you are thinking of negotiating on your own behalf or on behalf of someone you know and you have no expertise in the area, 
there are landmines in the legal field. I'll give you a very small example. Let's say you have a slip and fall, and let's say you uh, broke your knee, okay? It's a serious injury. You're having surgery on it. Uh, you don't want to deal with a lawyer. You want to go directly to whoever was responsible for the property. You want to negotiate with them directly. Other than the fact that you can make elementary mistakes, such as missing a limitation period for issuing a legal claim, uh, you may not know that there are other entities that may have an interest in your claim. So, for example, uh, when, when you go to the doctor, John, who pays for that? OHIP pays for that. Right. right. So, for any case where you suffer injuries in Ontario, people out there may not know this, uh, you suffer an injury, uh, let's say it's a slip and fall or a dog bite, whatever it is, you seek medical attention, OHIP is paying for it. Well, if the case does not involve a car, if it's not a car accident, you have to notif- notify OHIP uh, of your injury and of your intention to seek compensation from whoever was at fault. Mm. What OHIP then does is it sends you what's called an OHIP subrogated interest claim. So let's say because of your slip and fall, John, you went to the doctors, you had surgery, OHIP incurred $10,000 worth of medical procedures and expenses. You go out and you settle on your own with the property owner your claim. You get, I don't know, $30,000 in your pocket. You're not aware that you have to protect OHIP's interest, but you didn't know that because you're not in the industry. Well, guess what? If OHIP finds out... Come knocking on the door. You got it. They're going to come and knock on your door, exactly. And so it's crucial, absolutely crucial that... If you're injured, you get the advice of an experienced wow. injury lawyer because you may end up thinking you got a great settlement but not understanding that it's not all about you, that there is another entity such as OHIP. And sometimes there are other entities as well that may have their own interests. Very, very important. It's, it's, it's just I, I can't tell you how many times it's happened to me uh, on the defense side when I was across from a lawyer and the lawyer wasn't even aware of these kinds of additional claims. And, of course, I didn't care because I was protecting my insurance client. Very, very important not to act on your own unless you're in the industry. Even then, it's not advisable. And certainly, very, very important that before you hire an injury lawyer or a disability lawyer, you go to someone who's trusted, who knows what they're doing, who's experienced, and who's going to know what to do. Because I mean, ultimately, it's your case and, and it's your pocketbook. Plus, beyond the fact that, you know, this is probably the only time you'll hopefully ever do that in your life, whereas the insurance company does this every day, all day. So they're going to they're gonna eat you alive. Absolutely. Right? Exactly. You, know, you're, you're, you can't, there's no way you can compete with them. Insurance companies are in the business, you know, I say they're in the business of making money. They're in the business not only of making money, but of making sure that you get as little as possible. Saving money. Even if you have the most legitimate claim in the world. That's not their, pro- they don't care. They care about saving money, and they would love nothing more than for you to miss out on things you could be claiming. And they do that. They, they do that by fighting back. They do that by hiring lawyer, lawyers like myself uh, to, to, to hit back. And they love nothing more than to have uh, someone being represented by an incompetent lawyer who is going to settle the case out at 10 cents on the dollar. Help at the insurance lawyer.ca. That is the email address. We'll get to an email as soon as we uh, come back from a short break. The number 416 216 5910. We'll put you in touch with Savannah. It's the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM 640. The number is 416 216 5910. The Insurance and Injury Law Show. You can go to help at the insurance lawyer.ca. That's the email. Claire from North York writes in. Savannah says, uh, My elderly mother slipped and fell on a wet floor that was being cleaned while visiting a friend at a retirement home. There were no signs anywhere. She broke her right hip and shoulder and has been in hospital for the last month. I'm probably going to have to hire someone to help take care of her when she comes to live with me. Is the retirement home responsible for that expense? 
The answer is likely yes, Claire, but there could be other factors here that we have to look at. So, for example, we need to know uh, if the retirement home had hired any cleaners, because if they did and there is another company there, well, then suddenly we're dealing with the retirement home as well as the cleaners. And that's good, right? It's good. I mean, I always like it when there are other parties, and the reason for it is because you have other insurance companies. Uh, I I was at a mediation earlier this week that we settled – uh, great. I mean, it was a fantastic settlement. And, you know, we had two insurance companies there at, at the table. And of course, you know, at the end of the day, I'm telling the other side, uh, the defendants, I'm telling them, look, my client is injured. It's a severe injury. Here's what happened, just like with your mom, Claire. And, you know, he, here's the amount of money I think is fair. Here's the range. Let's negotiate. And you guys figure you guys out between yourselves. Out. Exactly. Yeah. Duke it out as to who's paying for what. And it's not always 50-50. They'll figure out how to apportion the responsibility and who's paying for what. But it's always nicer when you have multiple parties. Sometimes it complicates the action, uh, the, the claims process. But oftentimes it makes it easier because you have more pockets to draw from. Now, Claire, uh, your, your mother's injuries are, I don't have to tell you this, but they're very, very severe. Uh, a right hip fracture, uh, a hip fracture in yeah, general, sure. I can tell you that if you were uh, to, to um, come to my office, I would be telling you that without using the injury calculator, because I know the stuff by heart, uh, her, her type of injury just for the hip fracture will assess uh, at approximately 90000 to $120,000 wow. for pain and suffering alone. Add that the shoulder injury, and you're well in excess of that, 150, 160, whatever the amount is that would be. Jeez. But keep in mind, uh, what is going to be the future care she's going to need? What is going to be OHIP's subrogated claim? Remember, we just talked yep. last segment about OHIP. You know, I, I, I've dealt with a, uh, a claim, a hip fracture claim, where a lady needed two surgeries, and, and this was um, this was a few months back. OHIP's claim was well over one hundred dollars, one hundred thousand dollars. Imagine, John, by the way, if the plaintiff did not realize she had to contact no OHIP, and OHIP came down the road Six and said, "Exactly, where, where's our hundred grand?" Yeah. So, Claire, we, we can help with that. It's not a big deal. Uh, you said that you're going to have to hire someone to, to help take care of her uh, when she comes to live with you. That's going to be a huge expense. Huge. I mean, if the injury itself, uh, the injuries that she suffered, if, if the value of those injuries from a monetary standpoint is, let's say, $150,000, $160,000, the future care aspect of the claim, depending on her age and what she needs can easily be in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. It she can sounds dwarf. elderly, so it could be everything. It could, it could be, be everything. it could be exactly huge. So it's absolutely crucial to start this as soon as possible, this claim, to put the right insurance companies on notice, to start working with them so that a resolution can be reached sooner rather than later. If, if there is two parties involved, the retirement home and an insurance company, you said it's, you know, you get them together to duke it out. Is that better than just one? Because... Do you have a better chance of getting what you want for the claim? I mean, there's always a negotiation. So you say, guys, $200,000, duke it out. If it's one insurance company, they'll be like, okay, back off here, two hundred. Let's negotiate that. Whereas if there's two, are they more likely to say, okay, two hundred, okay, we got to divide this up type of thing? I Not t- that they ignore the right. total, but is it a better chance of getting the max max dollar? Yes, yes. I mean, yeah. and, and it makes sense if you think about it because the damages are going to be what they are. Let's say that my client's injuries are worth – uh, $200,000. Uh, let's say the insurance company thinks it's worth $100,000 okay, using easy numbers. Let's say we come to a negotiation and say, okay, we'll agree it's 150000 Sure. Okay. Now we have to fund that. Who's going to pay for that? Well, if you have two parties, both of whom could potentially be responsible here to a certain degree, it's easier to have two, two of those parties, two of those insurance companies fund it than just one because one insurance company will have to pay one fifty, whereas two of them if you split it equally, 75-75. So yes, absolutely. Again, 
some cases are a bit different. Some cases, you know, you have one party saying, I'm completely not at fault. And the other party saying, yes, you are. So they, they have to really work it out. But generally speaking, uh, but, but, you know, remember, we spoke about landmines. I, t- I tell you, John, the amount of times, again, going back to my defense days, the amount of times that I would see lawyers not naming all the proper parties. And, and what would that do? That would prolong the claim. So a claim which otherwise should be resolved in a year and a half to two years, max, took seven, eight years oh because gosh. they would have prolonged it and, prolong- and have to find who, who else is responsible and who's this and who's that. You have to do these things right. It's like building a house. A claim is like a house. You have to have a proper foundation. And at the lawyers at my firm, that's exactly what we work on with them to make sure that they're very, and they are very aware, they're very good. Very, very important to do these claims right. You go to the wrong lawyer, you're in for a world of trouble, I promise you. And that's why you said don't wait two years, get on these things right away. Because it's going to take time. You know, you know, so I told you I was in a mediation earlier this week, and I, I'll tell you, this is the second time in a month that a mediator who had resolved a dispute on my behalf on, you know, for, for the parties had told me that they couldn't believe how quickly we moved the case through the system. Because, you know, these things do take time. But with some lawyers, it may take you five, six, seven years. With someone else who knows what they're doing, it may take you a few months, a year, a year and a half. You know, it's just like Lior says, you know, some lawyers, when you go to them because you've been dismissed from your job, they'll take, you know, they'll take three years to, to resolve your case. With Lior, it's probably going to take you a few weeks Two, three months maximum. It's all about uh, getting it rolling, getting everything yeah, in play. Yeah, right? and, and the lawyers need to understand that these are real people. The lawyers need to right. understand you can't just shelf the file, right? It's not, these are real people. These people are injured. They need the money. They can't work. You know, everybody has their own circumstances, but this is, it's the empathy factor. And for whatever reason, lawyers, many lawyers miss that. And I, I don't understand why. Maybe, you know, I, I, I live through it personally, with, with family. Uh, we've gone through uh, the legal system, so I, I feel for it every time I speak with someone. But, you know, you need to feel that. You need to be on the same page with the client because it's a real person. 416-216-5910 is the number anytime, and it is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. When you've got a few moments, check out injurycalculator.ca as well. More of the Insurance Injury Law Show is coming up. Stand by. Talk Radio AM 640. 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Uh, that email address is handy. St. Catharines is where Nancy hails from. She writes in, says, I walked into a store three weeks ago and it was wet at the entrance. There were no signs and no rug. I slipped, fell backwards. I broke the fall with my hands and broke my right wrist. Man, you can feel that. Uh, I work as a transcriptionist and haven't been able to go back. I'm not sure when I'll be able to go back to work. And if I do, uh, if I'll be able to type as fast as I was, the store was definitely at fault. What would the uh, what would the, they be responsible for if I started a claim against them? How well, about all of it. <laughs> so, Nancy, let's break this down. So, first of all, uh, if, if the entrance of the store was wet uh, and, and there were no signs, no rug, just on those facts, assuming they are correct, I can probably tell you there's going to be liability. There's going to be fault. Yep. Again, I would need to get more information, but just by listening to it, you know, many people out there are going to say, well, yeah, it's common sense. Yeah, the problem is that in law, uh, you know, common sense is not that common necessarily. Right. So you do have to analyze these cases. But yeah, I would want to know some more information. Uh, that said, uh, a, a wrist injury, let's talk about that because this ties in very nicely to the injury calculator that we talked about. A wrist injury, assuming there's no surgery, in and of itself, it's a serious injury, but it's not, you know, this is not a fractured vertebrae. This is not a knee replacement. But, you know, when you're looking at what this lady does, what Nancy's doing, she's a transcriptionist. She uses her hands. 
She's now going to be out of work. And, you know, I'm not sure, depending on the severity of her fracture, I'm not sure if she'll be able to go back to that kind of a job. And that's a problem. You know, again, I don't know how old she is. Maybe she's 50 years old, 55. Maybe it's going to be difficult to retrain for another position. Maybe she's earning forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 a year. So now you can see how the wrist injury, which let's say assesses at $30,000. I mean, just, you know, to throw a number out there. Pain and suffering. Uh, pain and suffering. Yeah. But let's say she's unable to go back to work for the next three years, let's say, for this kind of work. Let's say she was earning $50,000 a year. Multiply that. That's yeah. 150000 You see, you can have an injury that doesn't seem severe, but because of your personal circumstances, it, it, it just uh, snowballs. The tip into, of the iceberg, right? You got it. Yeah. Exactly. It can just be huge damages. So very, very important, Nancy, for you to contact me off air. Uh, we'll, we'll get in touch with each other. We'll talk. I'm going to contact the store. I'll get their insurance company involved. Again, let's figure out if there are any cleaning contractors. Oftentimes, these retail stores, uh, they will hire third parties to do maintenance. Uh, perhaps there should have been a rug there. Uh, there are companies out there who provide these rugs and carpets. Perhaps they were late that day. Maybe they should be on the hook here. You see, very important to do the due diligence so that we set up the case correctly so we have all the parties uh, at the table when it comes down uh, time to, to, to settle the case, to try and resolve the case. You know, you talk about years in the future, and I think, you know, Nancy, who's a transcriptionist, I mean, if she's a medical transcriptionist, she's going about a buck 20 words a minute because a family member does that. So her wrists are directly involved in her job. So say you go two years down the, the road, you suggested three, she can't work. Is she going to get that call from the insurance company about the you know work that you're at least educated for or qualified for? Is that going to come down eventually? If she's yeah, I mean, they're, absolutely. They're going to say, they're not going to get that from the insurance company. I mean, if she has a lawyer, then what's going to happen is the insurance company or their lawyer mm-hmm. will position it to her lawyer and say, well, can she do anything else? Can she be retrained? Right. And maybe she can, and maybe she cannot, depending on where she lives. She's in St. Catharines. I don't know, you know, if she's going to have the opportunity to retrain in a position that the job market there will right. allow her to get back into it. So, you know, th- there's different ways of looking at it, but, but that's the analysis that has to be done. It's a very in-depth analysis. We'll have to get certain experts involved to tell us what can she do, what can she retrain in, but will the insurance company push back and say, well, listen, you're only 50 years old. You know, you have at least another 15 years of working life expectancy. We expect you to go back to do something, maybe not transcriptionist type work, but something. That's okay. That's fine. I'm mm-hmm. fine with that argument, assuming it's logical and supporting, supported by the medical documentation. But again, important, very, very important to push back against the insurance company and say, well, hold on. Let's not be unrealistic. Let's really see what is the level of education that she's achieved. Uh, Let's see what kind of job opportunities uh, there are there. Because if you're thinking that she's going to be able to do a job, but that job is in Ottawa, that's going to be a problem. She's not planning to relocate her family just to placate the insurance company. And believe it or not, some insurance companies actually put that there. They try it, sure. Especially with people who have uh, no representation or a lawyer that's not going to push back. This is why you keep saying, don't do this on your own, because if she comes across that, she's not going to know what to do. Don't do this on your own, and don't do this with a lawyer that doesn't know what he or she is doing. And, you know, we've had in the newspapers, without going into, into it, uh, some, some articles in the past few mm-hmm. weeks about some lawyers who they advertise very heavily, and then when you call them, you don't even get to them. They refer you out pawn to you another off. law firm. They pawn you off to another law firm because they get a cut of the fees. You have to be very careful on who you go to. You got to do your due diligence the way you do if you have, you know, a significant operation. Or buying a car. Do. 
or buying Everybody a car. Everybody will study for weeks which car to buy, but Absolutely. Give, you know, a lawyer two minutes work. 100%. But, but the best analogy is if you have a doctor that's going to perform really a really important operation on you, mm-hmm. you're going to get a second opinion, a third opinion. You're going to shop around for the best, the best person in town. You're not just going to go to whoever has the, uh, uh, you know, the shiniest advertisement. 416-216-5910 is that number. You want to send us an email, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We've got a few more minutes to go in this hour, so do that uh, as soon as you can. And if you have some time, check out injurycalculator.ca as well. It's the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM 640. 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. If you haven't checked out injurycalculator.ca, find out what your pain and suffering could be in the case of a slip and fall or an accident uh, of any type. There's a database there. Go through it, and you'll get a number at the end and also a green button. You can contact Savannah if you want to carry it any further than that. So you sometimes talk about looking into the uh, the future with injuries. Someone may have, uh, you know, an ankle fracture or knee tear or a spinal injury. Seem to be doing okay for a few months after the accident, but then they suffer losses in the future, right? So explain, how does that work? Okay, so this is this is actually really interesting because what's in front of you may not necessarily be the full picture. The insurance company would love nothing more than to see someone getting better and better and better after an injury uh, and, and, you know, only to say that your claim is worth less and less and less. And for some lawyers, uh, that's enough. And that's exactly what they see, too. It's a very limited view. But let me position it different, uh, differently to you. Uh, let's say you have an ankle fracture. Let's say you had surgery on it. Uh, most orthopedic surgeons dealing in this area will tell you that you are now at risk of developing osteoarthritis, arthritis. You may have mobility issues 10 years down the road. You may have an inability to continue this physical labor you've been doing for the last 20 years. Maybe you'll have to retire early, right? Uh, What happens if you have a knee replacement? Uh, Many knee surgeons, I know one in particular at Mount Sinai, who will tell you that if you've had a knee replacement, then there is a good possibility you may need revision surgery 10 to 15 years from now. Again, depending on the case. So again, it's very important that when we're looking at the injury and the ramifications of what's happened because of the injury, they were not looking just a few weeks from now, a few months, or a few years. Look far in advance. And, and again, the best example, because it comes up often, is you have someone who has a fairly physical job. After the accident, they've gone back to work after being off work for a few weeks or a few months. Now they're back at work. But guess what? Their injuries are ongoing. Their impairments are ongoing. They are working with pain. And there is a very strong possibility that if before they could have retired at age 65, now they're going to have to retire at age, age 63 or age 60. If that person is earning 50 grand a year, do the math. Right. right. Very important to understand that when we're looking at losses, we are projecting them to the future, to the far future, not just to the near future. And again, circling back to what we discussed about before, a lot of lawyers, unfortunately, will sell their clients short, perhaps because they themselves don't understand the full ramification of the injury. Perhaps they haven't contacted uh, the doctors that they need to contact to get a full and clear picture of what's going to happen in the future for this person. And without doing that, you're essentially negotiating without all the information you need to have. 416-216-5910 is uh, Savan's number. We'll get to Len here. Writes in from the lovely Aurelia, says, I was on long-term disability because of injuries I suffered in a car accident a few years ago. I haven't been able to go back to work, and both my family doctor and my neurologist say that I likely won't be able to come back to work. My insurance company uh, company cut me off earlier this year because uh, their doctor said I should go back to work, and 
I appealed their decision, but you know what happened there? They denied me again. What are the chances of succeeding with a second appeal? How about none? Yeah, almost none. <laughs> right? Almost. I would never say none, yeah. uh, but I would tell you it's it's almost zero, Len, because you're essentially appealing to the same people who cut you off. Yeah. Uh, if the first appeal took you uh, a few months to get an answer to, the second one will be the same, and probably the third one. And by the time you figure out that you have to call me, well, I mean, you emailed me, but that you have to get in touch with me and just drop these appeals... Uh, because what are these appeals? These appeals are detours. That's all. It's going to be a detour for you. A year later, you're going to come back and say, Sivan, I should have just called you or emailed you, uh, let you communicate with the insurance company immediately on my behalf, and we'll get something done. And you know, if you don't do that, all that's going to happen is you're going to get frustrated. You're going to get emotionally upset. Uh, you're going to get uh, potentially financially ruined. Many people who take that route, hoping, hoping that perhaps the insurance company will come to their senses they're not going to. Their job is not, I was going to say, it's not to protect you. It's supposed to be to protect you. That's what insurance is for. Insurance is peace of mind. That's what it's supposed to be for, whether it's travel insurance, home insurance, disability insurance. But how many times does that peace of mind turn into a nightmare? It turns into a nightmare. And at the end of the day, when you are facing this gigantic company that's telling you, you have no rights, what do you do? You give up? No, you don't give up. I'm telling you right now, as someone who works for insurance companies, that insurance companies, as soon as you put up a fight and you have a legitimate claim, so I'm never going to tell you you have a legitimate claim unless you do, but if you have a legitimate claim and you come to me and we put up a fight, they will pay. Okay? They will pay. You're more than welcome, Len, to go with the second appeal. Good luck to you. Just keep my number handy. Uh, How would you guide them through it? Through what? Through the appeal? Yep. Just give them all the medical documentation that you have. Give them anything that you have, but presumably you already have. Yeah. What, else do you, like, what else do you need to give them? That's the frustrating thing. They're inviting you to appeal. They're inviting you to give them more documentation, but you already have. That's, that's the, the thing. And, 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 you know, and people scratch their heads. It's like, why is the insurance company not responding the way that I'm expecting them to? Well, what are you expecting them to do? You're expecting them to protect you. They're not there to protect you. They are there to save money. If they pay you out, that's fantastic. That's great. Perhaps you're just not on the radar yet for cutoff. But the majority of people, unless you have you know, catastrophic injuries, you will get cut off at some point. And you know, we had last week our guest, uh, Terry, who had been in the insurance uh, game uh, on the side of the insurance uh, for three and a half decades. And what did he say? I mean, he was telling us things. I remember I told you, get John Grisham on the phone here because yeah. he was telling us things you only see in movies. It's not just in movies, folks. The insurance companies are in the business of making money. It's just that some are better than others. Some are more fair than others. Some adjusters are better than, than others. But, you know, they are economic entities. They're not there to uh, feel for you, to be empathetic. They are there to make money and they make money by charging premiums and paying as little as possible. That's the reality. People afraid of insurance companies, of course, are also afraid of lawyers to some extent. So when someone's injured or are cut off long-term disability, uh, why should they call or email you? Like, how, do they have to pay up front for anything? I know you get that question all no, the time. you pay nothing, absolutely nothing. In fact, not only do you pay nothing up front, but it's a percentage basis. Most lawyers like myself operate on the idea that uh, whatever dollar we get for you, we get a cut from it. But mm. what happens? what happens is that Ultimately, the risk is on us. And by the way, that's something you have to consider when you go to some lawyers, because some lawyers will want you to pay up front. Be very careful. Be very, very careful. Uh, there are select type of t- types of cases where you do do that, like medical malpractice cases. But long-term disability, personal injury, no, you should not be paying up front. And at the end of the day, listen, if you don't want to call me or email me, 
don't. It's up to you. I'm not going to force you. Even when you call me or email me, me uh, and, and email me, uh, I'll give you the information that I think you need in order to make an informed decision on how to proceed with your case. I'm never going to tell you you have to do so and so. It's sure. up to you. If you want to take me up on it, by all means. I'm not going to put you through a process unless I think it will benefit you. Because, you know, and again, full disclosure here, it's going to benefit, it's going to benefit me too. Or it's, it's going to waste your time. Why it, would you? Exactly. Our interests are aligned, essentially. It's just that I have the knowledge and the know-how, and my team does, in order to make sure that we maximize the compensation. So don't hesitate to call. The number is 416-216-5910. Email anytime is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And we've uh, referred to it several times during the show, and that is the injury calculator. You can get that at injurycalculator.ca. See what your pain and suffering could be worth. Until next time, this has been the Insurance and Injury Law Show. It's right here, Talk Radio, AM640.